All right. Hey, how are you? This is Aiden Jones. You're listening to Sitting Under a Tree for Tuesday, the 1st of December, 2020. Thank you for listening. I am now quite upset because I just started recording and then the, the mic cable dropped out. I mean, when is it going to end? You know, maybe I just need to buy a Zoom recorder. Everyone uses those and they don't. I just, like, I, <laughs> I just don't want things to go wrong. I think I've been in a weird mood all day. It's like 3.30 in the afternoon now and uh, I just don't really feel like I fucking have settled into this day, to be honest. I Even now, I'm not sure whether this is recording very well, but I'm just going to... No, I think... I mean, I tested it before. I don't know. I just feel... I feel fucking on edge about the mic. Um... I had TAFE this morning at like nine, but that wasn't really anything. Doing TAFE work is, just makes me angry. This is the last week of TAFE before the big break, which is good. I've noticed that like, okay, I I don't enjoy really TAFE that much, but at least in doing it, I don't have it now until mid-Feb, but I still get like the fucking Oz study money. So, you know, whatever. <laughs> Fuck. I'm really in a shit mood, man. Listen to that. <sighs> so, you know, I guess it's fine. Um, you know what I noticed this morning? I uh oh, oh this is a good one actually. I've um been pretty productive today, I guess. Like I put out a couple loads of washing in the morning and then I did my TAFE work and what else did I do? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I um I thawed out the whole chicken that I got a couple of weeks ago. It's been frozen. I thawed it out and I'm making chicken stock and I cooked myself lunch and that was nice. I just don't feel good. <laughs> um, but I uh, in the morning I I did my whites like so my my bed sheets and white t shirts and stuff, and I was hanging them on the line and. I guess I fucking put one thing over my shoulder because I don't have a basket. So and the washing machine is like right next to the line, so I just take them out, chuck the stuff over my shoulder, and then I'll I'll like kind of you know hang things over the line and then peg them as I go. So some stuff is like hanging, but it's not yet been pegged. It's like in you know it's like halfway there, and then uh, evidently I I pegged up half of the stuff and forgot about a couple shirts that were just hanging, but I hadn't pegged them down yet and they were all crumpled up. So they weren't really drying. They were just kind of on the line, just hanging there waiting to be pegged. (laughs) And really in life, aren't we all just hanging around waiting to be pegged? (laughs) That's good shit. (laughs) Maybe that's what I need right now. A good solid pegging to... <laughs> to fucking alleviate this shit mood. That'd be good, wouldn't it? Just cry it out. <laughs> I don't want to go any further with that, to be honest. It's disgusting. I'm becoming a bit more squeamish and private about sex. And you know what? I like that. Anyway, back to the washing up story. So I um, had a couple things that I forgot about. And I went in and had some my morning, you know. And then it started raining, so I went out and half the stuff was dry. I was like, oh, sick. You know, I can take that stuff in. And I took the stuff in that was getting in my visual sight lines of 
the stuff that I just left there, I, I like my sheets were kind of blocking my vision and that was what made me forget that some stuff was just hanging there waiting to be pegged. Took the sheets off, saw the stuff that I'd left there that I, because I'd left it there, it hadn't dried and that was it. I just, there's a couple shirts that I just left hanging on the line and they hadn't dried properly. So I just needed to put them on the line properly so that they would dry properly. And I said to myself reflexively, well, that was pretty, I, I said something like, well, that was stupid, wasn't it, Aiden? Just in a, like quite a matter of fact, very harsh kind of way. That was stupid, wasn't it? And I noticed, I heard, my, I said that out loud and then I noticed myself say it and I was like, oh, that's how you talk to yourself. That's crazy. That's how you talk to yourself, you fucking idiot. <laughs> I mean, it's a vicious cycle, isn't it? We could go over and over. Don't talk to yourself like that, you fucking loser. <laughs> Why don't you talk nicely to yourself, stupid? It just, it struck me for a second as odd that I would talk to myself like that. And that's in keeping what, what, with what I've been kind of thinking about for the last few months, isn't it? The way we talk to ourselves, the way we talk to other people reflects the, the way we feel about ourselves. I wrote that in my notebook yesterday. The way we speak to other people reflects how we feel about ourselves. And if you're talking to other people in a mean way, you probably think that about yourself for me anyway, I felt like it's okay for me to talk to other people like that because that's how I talk to myself. And now I'm like, maybe it's not okay to talk to other people like that. Maybe it's not okay to talk to myself like that. And maybe I need to be kinder. And anyway, I'm still in a bad mood though. <laughs> yeah, it's just been a, it's just been a day. Maybe I'm putting a lot of pressure on myself today. I feel like I have a lot of things at the moment that I want to get done. And every time I think of all the things I want to get done, I feel like there's more. Like at some point, I still haven't done my tax from July and I just don't want to fucking do it. I just don't want to. That's just a thing that's just in my fucking head. And every time I'd finish all my tasks, I'm like, today could be the day that I do my tax, but it's not going to be because it just makes me fucking angry. I don't want to fucking do it and spend money on stuff. Just the other day I did something... I, I um, finally got the lease transferred from my old housemate to my new housemate, from my old housemate, the last one who moved out, you know, like six months ago to now the dude that I'm currently living with. And there was one in between there that I just never got it transferred to because she was here and then she was gone. And that was just a thing that was hanging over me that I just felt like I needed to do. Even though no one had told me that I had to do it, I just felt like it was the right thing to do. And so I was like, okay, do that, get it transferred. Just fucking admin bullshit, man. I fucking hate it. I feel like I'm fucking swamped with it right now. Ugh. Anyway, here's uh, something else that I've been angry at that I feel like I want to talk about because I think this is actually important. Um... Um, that was me readjusting myself on my chair. There's a venue up on Ligon Street called Benji's Karaoke. And uh, I've only been there once, like last year. Um, yeah, I think, yeah, like 2019, I went there with a bit of a crew, some friends. But it's an all-in karaoke joint, so they don't just have booths or little rooms where you go. But I always thought that's kind of weirder. That's like the the singing equivalent of a jack-off booth in some porn store, isn't it? Little karaoke rooms. It's like, I want to sing the songs, but I don't want anyone else watching. <laughs> 
I want to sing the songs, but only to my friends. And I want the rooms soundproofed so no one else can even hear by accident. I just want to be in a room. I think that's weird to go in a room with just like six friends and sing songs together. It's like, just stay home. <laughs> there are venues where you can do that, isn't it? A venue where you go and you buy drinks at bar prices and then they lock you in some weird padded cell with a TV in it, like a fucking Guantanamo Bay, and you sing like ABBA songs. <laughs> I get karaoke, I guess. I don't really like karaoke either, but at least the impulse of getting up on a stage and singing a song, I get that. You know, everyone sings to themselves, so you want to sing and you want to show people and it's fun. Even if you're not good, that's kind of half the point. You you like, whatever. I don't know. That's what I don't get about karaoke. But anyway, I if you're going to do karaoke, surely you do it in a room where everyone else is in the one room and you don't know some of the people and you get up on stage and you sing. But so that's what this bar is. This Benji's karaoke is one of them. You get up on stage in front of everyone and you just kind of sing. And it's not even a big stage. The room's kind of small and it's just a bit of a fun bar vibe. But instead, it's like everyone's standing up and everyone's watching a show. But instead of having a show, it's just people singing karaoke. It's real fun. Silly. Whatever. You get the point. And I thought when I was looking around for venues where I might want to do comedy, that'd be a good joint to do a show at because of the way that the places set up with a small stage like that it's already kind of that vibe for, like of a show i feel like comedy and karaoke actually aren't that far apart in terms of what is needed in the room to make a successful show um obviously comedy is much more skilled art form with far more depth that's what i believe but i had to say it like that because i know it's an absurd belief yeah, whatever. I don't need to go into that. I like comedy. <laughs> There's me defending shit again. There's me doing my mum. I just like comedy. I just like it. Okay? That's just, you know, you know what? I just like comedy. And I think that if anyone else doesn't like comedy, well, that, that that's just their problem, to be honest. And I think that's a bit silly because I like it. Okay? <laughs> no one said you didn't like comedy, Aiden. No one said that comedy's bad. Who are you fighting against? So I messaged this guy, the owner of Benji's Karaoke, who's named Tim, by the way. Interesting development. The plot thickens. Not named Benji or Karaoke. He's named Tim. Maybe his name's Tim Karaoke. <laughs> Imagine a guy called Tim Karaoke, and that's the whole character. He's just a normal guy. He works in an office. Uh, Mr. Karaoke. Please take the stand, Mr. Karaoke. And he's giving evidence for like why he thinks his wife shouldn't take his kids away from him. <laughs> and everyone in the jury is just like, no way are we going to let these kids be raised by a man with the last name Karaoke. They're going to get bullied to shit. He would net, that's a guy who's always going to get his kids taken away from him, isn't it? That, I bet, would be like a weird anxiety that he would have in his marriage. He's like... Fuck man, I gotta make this work because if I if we're in a court custody battle, there's no way, you know. And his wife's obviously taking her pre-marriage name back. She used to be Angie Karaoke. Now she's Andrew Angie. I don't know Kostogalu, and he's still Tim Karaoke. And those kids are gonna be Kostogalus because they don't want to get bullied at school, and the jury don't want those kids to get. Anyway, this is a fucking awful. I'm sorry, this is a bad riff. I'm in a bad mood today. So I call up Mr. Tim Karaoke and um, 
just trying to get hold of him because I just want to. I me- I emailed him first, but then I was like, let me just get hold of this guy so I can pitch my fucking dumb comedy night to him. And uh, the first time I talked to him, he was just really nice. Oh, was it? Oh, actually, yeah. So the first time I spoke to him on the phone, it was the day that um, Joe Biden got of like officially, you know, it was when we all kind of accepted that he was going to win. And uh, I called him as he was watching that on TV and he was like all excited, you know, he was talking about his venue, but then he was like, oh, mate, I'm just watching him now. Look at him. He's running around. Oh, look at him scoot. Oh, Joey Biden. Who knew, who knew he could run like that, eh? And we were all happy and, you know, we were both just kind of sharing that moment together, which was nice. And then I told him about comedy and professed my love thereof. And he told me about his venue and how, you know, he and his partner run that and they live there and they just love it. And it just, I could feel how much he cared about it in his voice, you know, just that he loved it. But he said, unfortunately, they weren't going to be able to open on that day because uh, the restrictions just weren't going to allow it. They need to be because their class is a nightclub. So it's the next level of restrictions. So... I kind of left it. We had that nice chat and it was like, yeah, good to put a name to the voice, you know, whatever. And uh, then this week I get an email because I'm still keeping in touch with him and uh, they should be open by now. But I got an email from him that they're uh, not open because, and this is the thing that fucking sucks that I kind of want to share with all you guys, is... um, I'll just kind of read some of this email. We're deeply saddened. Here it is about three days ago. We're deeply saddened to inform you that despite reaching COVID normal, we will remain closed for the foreseeable future. In January this year, Moreland Council received one noise complaint from a resident living opposite Benji's who moved into their apartment in October 2019. Council visited us in March this year to inform us of the complaint. We were then contacted by the council again in June and we were instructed to supply additional acoustic support report to support our business basically they had to provide a fucking airlock door um and uh they had a sound engineer they said wait what is it consultation process they wanted us to install a double airlock door we objected to this and our acoustic engineer agreed with this on the basis that in his expert opinion it would not have any mitigating noise impact in such a small venue at the councillors' meeting in October, the councillors voted overwhelmingly in our favour on a 10 to 1 basis that the airlock was not required since it is not part of the Moreland planning scheme and no other venue in Moreland is required to have one. All right, so that sounds great. One objector who does not live in the building opposite but has an investment property in the building is now taking this matter to VCAT, which I don't know what it is, but it sounds important. And we have been informed this week that we may not have an outcome until July 2021. Benji's is located in a commercial zone one major Brunswick activity center. We find this situation incomprehensible given the impact that restrictions have had on most small businesses and in particular the hospitality sector, many of which have been closed since March. We look forward to providing you with updates as soon as we have them. We've been uh, counting down, we've been counting down, we've been counting down days to reopening under COVID normal steps and wanted to bring people together in what has been a very difficult year for most people. We look forward to dancing and singing with you as soon as possible. Tim, Jazz and Donna, Benji's Karaoke Bar. So fucking, basically, these fucking people who run a venue in Brunswick that is lovely and that they fucking care about and I talked to that guy on the phone are being stopped from reopening after a whole fucking year 
because some cunt who doesn't even live there thinks that it's going to affect the value of his fucking flat. And it just made me real, really... I mean, everyone knows this shit is bullshit. Surely no. I I really hope that no one listening to this is like, well, I mean, inf- investment properties are, are an integral part of the pillar of our economic system. Blah. Fuck you, if that's what you think. If you don't fucking live in a place, you don't get to have any opinion on anything. <laughs> <laughs> residential or otherwise otherwise relate you don't get to have an opinion on food or football or fucking the weather shut up if you have a fucking investment property you got enough good shit going on <laughs> and i don't know what negative gearing is but if that's a fucking a retort then i don't fucking care it just if you have enough money to buy a second house i reckon you're doing okay Oh, I don't know, man. It just... It's the fucking councillors voted it down 10 to 1. That should be the end of it. They're the people who fucking control this area and understand the the neighbourhood. What the fuck is VCAT? What even is VCAT? Okay, Google. What is VCAT? Administrative Tribunal Act 1998 in the state of Victoria, Australia. All right, whatever. It's a fucking civil courts, evidently. I hope that came through on the mic or you just got 10 minutes of silence. It's it's, it's some sort of court tribunal thing. They're taking it to higher ups and it just... Anyway, so I, I emailed them back and I just said, man, that fucking sucks. Fuck those cunts. You're the best. And uh, is there anything I can do? And... Uh, after a bit of that, they're applying for an urgent hearing um, to VCAT, which is the Victorian Civil Admin Tribunal. I could have just read the email rather than asking Google what it was. Um, he said, just seems so wrong that one person can challenge a decision that was voted on 10 to 1. Yes, it does seem fucking stupid. I can hear the pain in this dude's voice. I just think like, imagine if... I, I put myself in that dude's shoes because for like me, comedy, that's him. That's how he feels about his bar. And... If there was one fucking cunt who didn't even live in a place who said we can't have comedy because it's too loud and that was what was standing in the way of me doing any comedy at all, I, could, I just couldn't do it after all this time. I reckon if that dude falls down a flight of stairs and fucking hits his head and doesn't wake up for six months, everyone else is looking the other way because fuck that fucking cunt. It's allegedly, I'm not, you know what, don't push anyone down flights of stairs, that's bad. <laughs> fuck you man so he said um yeah i'm getting really distracted today he said if you could post your view of the situation on either our instagram or facebook page that would be hugely appreciated i'll let you know what happens we're set to open on the 11th of december they were set to open on the 11th of december but they can't now um so that what i'm saying here is go on the page for benji's karaoke bar and post, I'm going to post after this podcast. They've got a post going. They've got like 130 comments. Um, I don't know if that's going to do anything, but they just fucking need people's support. And I figure if i got 54 people listening to this, that's a f- cool thing that we can do, right? Because that guy's already been through the, uh, nightmare restrictions and, and, and the two people that he runs it with. 
And um, they were hoping to get their bar back open and now they can't get it open because they're one fucking cunt. Anyway, here's uh, an interesting thing that I learned about this week to lighten the mood a little bit. I was uh, talking to my girlfriend, uh, Clang, name drop, we'll move past it. I got a girlfriend officially this week. But anyway, I was talking to her about um, a weird thing, the color purple, evidently the reason why purple is uh so like considered a regal color is because it was really hard to make purple dye for a long time and they had to grind up these they had to grind up these fucking sea slugs <laughs> into powder to make purple and that's why Julius Caesar was wearing his uh toga he used to wear it like the purple trim because purple, if you had purple, it was until like the middle of the 1800s. If you had purple, you were rich as fuck. You had money. Because it took, <laughs> you had to, they had to grind up like a thousand sea slugs to make, I don't know, a drop of purple dye or something like Just <laughs> What an absurd world to live in, you know? <laughs> if you want to have a nice looking toga, <laughs> some guy in fucking Turkey or wherever has to dive into a fucking lake and catch a bunch of slugs and grind them up. <laughs> That's so silly. Oh, man. And, um, oh, actually, yeah, I've got to pull this page up. Yeah, yeah, this is really good shit. So. I uh, I wanted to read an article. I just wanted to kind of learn more about that. And I found this really cool article on uh, a website called hellandair.com. Independent. I don't know what this website is. But it was just a very informative and very well written. Um, so purple is uh, not... A real color. The article is the the article is titled "Primary Colors: The Truth About Purple," which is already great. It's they're like trying to sensationalize, um, and it says scientifically, purple is not a color because there is no beam of pure light that looks purple. There is no light wavelength that corresponds to purple. We see purple because the human eye can't tell what's really going on. So basically, purple. This article explains that. Um, the way we see purple is, I think, so our, the way we see light in our eyes, we have the retina, which is this funky ass tissue behind our eyes. And there are three retina cells. What are the cells called again? Fucking jib cells. Uh, buh, 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 buh. They're called cone cells at the back of our retina. And the colors that those, there's three kinds of cone cells there's red, blue, and green, which is why red, green, and blue, which is why RGB is the color settings on an old CRT monitor. Do you remember that? When it used to be that you, there's like red, green, and blue filter. That's how it makes color, whatever. I don't really understand that. But anyway, the human eye can only see those three colors. So when a color like orange is the example they use in this, says, how do we see orange? If the brain receives signals from lots of red cone cells and some green cone cells, we see orange because orange is closer to red than green is the simple way that they put it. For I don't actually know how that works. It doesn't really make sense to me, but that is evidently how we see orange. But the difference between orange and purple, so the human eye can't see orange exactly. And if you mix paints that are yellow and red that'll come out orange but that's a chemical thing not a physics light thing but if you if you mix those two colors and that's something that is orange that'll look the same 
as shining red and green light into your eye. That's how I understand it. So you know when you have a fucking prism and you shine white light in it and it makes a rainbow because some light is slower than other light, like the wavelengths. So if you get if you get like a laser that's pure red light, that one wavelength, and pure green light, that wavelength, and then get them the right proportions and shine them into the human eye, that looks orange. And also a bit orange paint looks orange, but they're actually different colors where we can't see exactly orange, but we can't tell the difference between them, right? But there's still orange in the spectrum of light. When you split white light into all the colors, orange is one of them, but purple isn't one of them. That's fucking taken me long enough to get to. Purple, there's violet, but that's not purple. That's a different thing, apparently. So when we see purple, it's not a real color. It's our eyes' interpretation of a mixture of fucking, what is it? There's no beam of pure light that looks purple. There is no light wavelength that corresponds to purple. We see purple because the human eye can't tell what's really going on. <laughs> They're really into making it sound like a conspiracy, aren't they? You want to know what's really going on behind the color purple? Click here to read more. <laughs> it's like the Illuminati invented purple to steal your kids. <laughs> Pedophiles in the White House. <laughs> Oh, but um, it's the end of this article. Of course, we can still use purple as a color in art or in our Carol Fighting Saints football uniforms at some team. But if a flying saucer were to land in Helena tomorrow, a little green man inside would probably not have a word for purple, although he might have words for red, orange, yellow, green, and blue. How cool is that? It's a very good way of understanding it. Purple isn't a naturally occurring phenomena. It's our interpretation. It's a thing that we see. It's a way that we interpret the world. It's not real. It doesn't exist, man. It's not fucking real. And here's the best bit about this. First of all, I liked the article and I thought it was really well written. And I'm like, what's this website? Maybe I can find more interesting stuff. And then down the bottom, you know, you start, it's like, these wine braised bone and beef short ribs are sure to make your mouth water. Sounds bad. Risotto, stout and chocolate chunk brownies. You read that right. We're making beer brownie. Like just <laughs> the rest of these articles just sound so fucking bad. And um, oh, by the way, oh, the last bit of information. Kelly Klein, PhD, is an associate professor of astronomy and mathematics at Carroll College. So the person who wrote this knows their shit. Um, and I'm looking for another article by this person and there's no other articles. And then I'm like, two comments. All right, let's see these fucking comments. Here's the comments. This is really everything you fucking need to know about the internet, isn't it? First one from someone called Gersharan Kaur. Kaur? K-A-U-R. Please change the word green with yellow in sixth and seventh paragraph. Primary colors are red, yellow, and blue. Orange color is a mixture of red and yellow, not red and green. Red and green make brown color. So... <laughs> Thank you, Gersharan, for fucking showing your complete failure to understand this article. And then here's the next one. See, the issue here is people somehow got the idea that violence... <laughs> How much do you love that? This is from David Teller. See, the issue here <laughs> is people somehow got the idea that violet and purple are different colors. They are not. Purple and violet are just two words meaning the same thing, yet somehow people are starting to think that they are different. Purple equals violet. That's just how it is. 
Oh, it sounds like two fucking dudes saw a woman with a PhD and went, I reckon I can fucking tell her something about what's up. Very, very good. I think that's all I've got to say about that. But yeah, in that, I hate to be the guy who's like, something in me wants it to, I wish that one of those people being an idiot was a woman. But you know what? It's not. It was men. So I have to hold my hands up and go, fucking yeah, men are... Maybe everyone on left-wing internet is right. Maybe men are the fucking dicks out there and they can't handle... These men clearly can't handle that the woman is fucking... Has a PhD in maths or whatever. How are you disagreeing with that? All right. I don't need to make this about gender. It can just be about stupid people. <sighs> um... Do I want to do another silly thing? Yeah, I told myself I was going to do all of the notes that I had. Often what I do on the podcast is I'll write a bunch of notes and then at some point I'll start feeling like, oh, everyone's getting bored. You should stop. And so I won't do one of the things that I did. But uh, I'm going to do them all this week. I saw this funny, silly thing on Twitter. Um, some cunt. Some cunto called Z- uh, Zane. At Zmac Zane. Z-M-A-C-Z-N-E. At Z-M-A-C-Z-A-N-E. I don't know why I'm trying to do him like a shout out as if I fucking am anyone. His fucking tweet got five and a half thousand retweets. <laughs> I'm like, hey guys, go give this little fish some love. <laughs> Whatever. Anyway. He said, I uh, was grocery shopping yesterday and this girl stopped me and said, oh my God, are you in the chain smokers? And I said, yeah, because I thought she was clearly joking. So we talked for a bit and I ended up giving her my number and I 100% thought that she was in on the joke until I got this today. She sent him a message with a link to uh, an article, chain smokers concert in Hamptons under fire over social distancing. And she said, <laughs> This is awesome. She said, hey, just wanted to let you know you're a huge piece of shit for this. Celebrities like you who are brushing off COVID like it's nothing are the reason we're still in a pandemic. I hope you sleep horribly knowing you're part of the problem, boo. And then gave him, gave him a little kissy kissy. Um, so she thought that he was the real guy from the chain smokers that she had chatted to. Wild that she had the confidence. It's kind of good for her there. Like she's, she doesn't care that, you know, she's, she's trying to do the right thing. And, uh, he said, I am not the chain smokers, I am Zane. And she says, what are you talking about? You told me yesterday you were. And then he sends a picture of the chain smokers and he says, these are the chain smokers and then a picture of him and said, this is me. And she says, oh, dot, dot. And he says, yeah, lol. And then <laughs> this guy, and this is what, before this, this guy is just a dude who has had a thing happen to him. And uh, the story is not that interesting. Then he goes, did you still want to get that coffee sometime? And uh, her response is, you cannot send messages to this destination that is blocked by the owner. So she's just fucking blocked him straight up. So that's fucking awesome. I guess what I thought was interesting about this is she is believing that she's met the guy from the Chainsmokers and he's asked for her number. So I'm trying to figure out whether I... I think she's fine. She just thinks she's met the guy from the Chainsmokers and, and... and then she, when he goes, I'm not that guy, she thinks he's lied to her. But I don't really understand that because what, surely you would just laugh at that. 
I don't know. Does she just want to fuck a celebrity? I guess she just wants to fuck a celebrity. And once she realizes it's not him, she's like, well, fuck this. Or she thinks he's like lied to her and let her believe that that, which I guess from her perspective, that's what it seems like. But from his perspective, he just thought that it was a big joke and that he'd met a really cool and funny girl. I guess I kind of feel for yeah. <laughs> in this situation, he thinks he's just met a really cool and funny girl. And then when it's become clear that no, she's just, they're just two very different people, aren't they? Why is he trying to go for a coffee with her? Don't go for a coffee with her. She just wants to fuck a celebrity, mate. She doesn't care about you. She's not cool and funny. Maybe she is, but more than that, she just wants to bang some dude from the chain smokers. It's pretty funny that she's blocked him. Hey, like if she, surely in that, that's like a fun meeting story. I would just go on that date. If I, I mean, put myself in that situation, who's a, who's a celebrity? Cause that could happen to me. I'm not good with faces. If I thought that I was meeting Stella Donnelly, if I, well, first of all, I wouldn't go up to Stella Donnelly. Hey, that's how did it start? She said, oh my God, are you in the chain smokers? That's never happening to me because if I see Stella Donnelly at the supermarket, were they at the supermarket? Yeah. Grocery shopping. I I think Stella Donnelly is like, I mean, also I've got a girlfriend, so I actually, <laughs> I'm not going up to Stella Donnelly anyway. Um, but even if I was single, I'm still probably not just, it's a guy girl dynamic thing, isn't it? As a guy, even if the girl's famous, probably especially if the girl's famous, you don't just fucking go up to a girl who's grocery shopping and go, Hey, <laughs> getting bananas, huh? <laughs> If you like bananas, <laughs> how about my dick? Nah, don't be doing that. Um, but if I did some, if I had the confidence, I, I reckon actually it's more of a confidence thing. Probably if it's Stella Donnelly, it's like, okay, don't, you know, interrupt her day. But, and maybe now actually in this point in my life, I wouldn't do it because I'm like, don't fucking, you know, pester someone when they're just having their day. But when I was like 22, the reason that I wasn't doing it wasn't because of that. It wasn't that I didn't want to annoy girls. It was that I did want to talk to that girl, but I was just scared. That fear served me well, I reckon, because it stopped me from annoying women. Um, but yeah, so at that point, if I had plucked up the courage to walk up to that person and go, are you in there? What would it have been like? And then if they thought that I was being funny and said yes, and then I found out later that it wasn't them, I'm still going on the date because if it was hot enough to, if the person was like, you know, pretty enough in the way that Stella Donnelly is pretty for me to mistake them for Stella Donnelly, then still go on the date with them. <laughs> she still thought that you, you were the guy from the Chainsmokers. It's just, so, that's an interesting like comment on what is attractive about a guy, isn't it? As soon as he's not from the chain smokers, he's now not attractive. So it's not anything physical about him that made him attractive to her. It's just that he was famous. And that's, I don't fucking like that. I feel like I'm just trying to find something wrong with what she's done. There's nothing inherently wrong with what she's done, but that is kind of fucking weird, right? If you go up to someone and go, are you famous? And they're like, yeah. And you're like, sick then I'll give you my number. And then you find out that they're not famous and it was actually your mistake. He's like, let her know, by the way, I'm actually not famous. Lol. I don't know. No one's really done anything wrong, but if you're going up to dudes just because you think they're famous, 
you're a fucking creep weirdo. You should be going up to random guys. You know what? You should go up to... Oh, I don't fucking know what I'm talking about. Pretty funny story though, hey? <sighs> I feel like I didn't quite get anywhere with that one. But here's the last thing for this week. Um, Diego Maradona died. Did anyone else know that? I don't know if that is is as is important to... I feel like you either know what that means and then you know that it means a lot or you have no idea about what that is whatsoever. Like that doesn't even register for you. There's no in between on that one. Diego Maradona, you either know who he is and you know exactly who he is and that he's like the most incredibly famous fucking person ever. Or like my girlfriend, you just have no idea who it is. You don't even really know the name and that's just something that has passed you by in the world. Um, I really annoyed her all day the other day because I just went the day that he died. I was like, oh, we got to watch the fucking the documentary. Asif Kapadi, I think is the director's name. If you haven't watched it, Diego Maradona, the documentary is incredible. It, um, is his, it, it covers the years from when he signed for Napoli until when he left Naples, which is like six or seven years and that's kind of the peak of his life and in those years they won Scudetto twice and they won the World Cup and he became the legend who he he became Diego Maradona and then it's just it's all done with archival footage there's not really any narration other than a couple bits that are taken from from uh uh like interviews all right so there's no he didn't the the director of Safka Party didn't add any narration to it it just kind of yeah, it's just it's all self-explanatory, and um, we watched that. But all day, the day of, I was just telling her about him, trying to impress upon her how important he was, how many people knew who he is, and like you know, at one point she was just like, "I need you to not talk about this guy anymore until we watch the documentary because you just this is so annoying." <laughs> I was like, "Sorry, sorry." for talking too much about a guy you don't care about. Uh, <laughs> um, the other thing that I wanted to, if you uh, haven't listened to this song by Manu Chao called uh, La Vida Tombola, which is, um, no, La Vida La Tombola, Vida Es La Tombola, what's it called? La Vida Tombola. Tombola is the Spanish lottery, so it's like the the charmed life, I guess. Um, that's a beautiful song. And there's a video of, if you fucking, if you like Maradona and if you like getting emotional like me, you're looking for different fucking stimulus when a big event like this happens to feel emotional about. That's what I do. Whenever, whenever there's a big event like this and I'm like, I reckon I could get emotional about this. I'm like straight onto the internet to find things to get emotional about. <laughs> and, um, cause I'm just a very sentimental person. And, uh, that the video of if you YouTube Manu Chao M A N U space C H A O La Vida Tombola, there's a video of him playing this song that's all about Si yo fuera Maradona, like if I was Maradona, and it's like what he would I would live like him if I was Maradona, lost in any place. Um, it's very beautiful lyrics and very beautiful song, and the video is him playing it on the street with just one other guy. They just play like Spanish guitar. And Maradona gets out of a fucking car and just goes up and like stands stands in front of him while he's playing the song that's about his life. And towards the end of the video, Maradona under his sunglasses gets all red faced like he's about to cry. And it's very beautiful. And um, 
what was I going to say? Just that, that video. And then also the, um, the movie. I watched that that night. The thing though that really got me that I'm going to read and I think I'm going to end the podcast on is Barney Ronnie, my favorite writer for The Guardian. He writes for uh, Guardian Sport section. He writes for football and cricket, but I only read the football stuff. He's just a fucking great writer. I think I may have even spoken about him on the podcast before. I love the way that he um, he said, it's one of his phrases, the... Um, the headline of his article, I read about 15 articles about Maradona to hear what different people's takes on it were. And um, Barney Ronnie's headline was brave, intelligent Diego Maradona was a man who moved through different air. And that's a very Barney Ronnie phrase moving through different air is uh, he just has little phrases like that, that really kind of capture the absurdity and strangeness of sport and the kind of big storylines of sport. And that's why I love him. And I'm going to read the last few paragraphs now, but the article talks about how great Maradona was and, you know, the figure, the man, his place in the culture and what he did for Argentina and football and blah, 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 blah. And, uh, and then he talks about his kind of journey from uh, like the way that he was always so famous and in an era when football was really rough, he was still this kind of ballerina-like figure in the way that he played. And he says, The Maradona of 1986 wasn't an accident or a product of anthropological forces. In Italy, Maradona had worked relentlessly at finding the right tempo to play, the best way to weaponize his skills in a brutal defensive game. Italy taught him to play in high-speed bursts, to spot, to spot the moment of weakness, to ration out his strength and his capacity to take blows. Mexico 86 was the reward. It is also the reason those other sightings, Maradona in Moscow, Maradona stumbling around the globe, feel much more remote. In death, it is clear he will remain preserved in his own imperial moment. We remember the goal against Belgium where Maradona glides past four players and the most remarkable part is how he keeps his feet after scoring, veering off, fists raised. Or the pass for the winning goal in the final, the perfect touch, perfectly timed into the perfect space by a man seeing it all. His death is sad in a way, in the way the death of a stranger shouldn't be. But this is perhaps as much about the passing of a time that seems ever more remote. In the pictures of Maradona holding up the World Cup trophy in the sun, it is as though the light is passing through him. A stupid question, perhaps, but he was, in that moment, all things considered, as great as a footballer could hope to be. Oh, that's it, isn't it? That moment of greatness and then the rest of his life, that's what that documentary captures so well as well. Just like I was saying it to my girlfriend today, I read her that little bit. And she said, it sounds like you're mourning. And I'm like, I don't know that I'm mourning because I didn't lose anything because in my day to day, I didn't really care that much about Maradona. But it is just a moment to look back and reflect on this guy's fucking life and the fact that he reached those heights in his 20s. Like as old as I am now, he was like falling off by this point. And he had so many of those moments in that fucking decade of his life. And then after that, he kind of passed into just a legend. And what's really unique about Maradona, I think, is that this story is so huge. And if you don't know the story, go and fucking watch the documentary, man, because it's an incredible story, the way that he came from nothing to be who he was. Um, 
But I think what he did in football is so incredible that even if he had every advantage, even if it was from a rich family and whatever, it would still be incredible. It's not even that he came from nothing that makes the things that he did great. What he did would be great if anyone did it. And that's why it's insane that he came from nothing as well. And his life is like a legend now. It's like mythical because so many people kind of saw it and witnessed it. And what we're seeing with his death is the birth of a myth. Like I think about stories like Hercules, you know, Greek fucking legends or things that have been told for such a long time that you're not even sure if they happened. You think of like the story of Jesus. Was Jesus a real person? Was he a man who lived? Or is this just a story that we tell to talk about life and explain the world to ourselves? And in the story of Maradona, I think you can feel in how huge the story is that that story, if there's any story from our time that's going to be told in a hundred or 500 or 2000 years time, that as much as any is likely to be that kind of story. And that's why it feels so incredible to know that like he just died and to reflect on that story and be like, we lived in the time of that fucking guy. Do you understand? We lived in a time we shared a moment in history with a guy who's going to be talked about forever, like forever. I really believe that more than anyone else. I don't know. Maybe I'm just being all fucking sentimental because that's how I like to get. But I really think like go and watch the fucking handball and then watch the hand of God again and listen to the reactions and, and watch the fucking 1986 World Cup grand final and look at the picture of him in the middle of the Azteca Stadium, which I looked up the figures, 118,000 people in the stadium. And he's in the middle of the stadium on the pitch in a sea of heads. He's held up on someone's shoulders. You can't even see whose shoulder. He's just up above the crowd, above everyone. There's no one else up on anyone's shoulders. It's just him and a sea of heads. And he's up in the sun holding the World Cup trophy. And that's what, let me read the fucking last paragraph again. His death is sad in the way the death of a stranger shouldn't be. But this is perhaps as much about the passing of a time that seems ever more remote. In the pictures of Maradona holding up the World Cup trophy in the sun, it is as though the light is passing through him. A stupid question, perhaps. But he was in that moment, all things considered, as great as a footballer could hope to be. All right. That's the podcast. Thank you very much for listening. This has been Aiden Jones sitting under a tree. Peace.